Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a special podcast presentation from 700WLW.com. This is Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew on demand. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by... Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Well, good morning. 9.07 on this Sunday morning. Hello. Welcome on in. We have got a full day of football staring us right in the old kisser. And, of course, it culminates at 425 today when the Bengals take on the Steelers. Out in Pittsburgh, Heinz Field, a house of horrors, by and large, for your Cincinnati Bengals. Look, it's only a rivalry if both teams win. Not the same game, of course, but occasionally win when they face each other. And after a few years of trading blows with those Steelers, the Bengals are back on the ropes, aren't they? They haven't won the last four times they've faced the Steelers. And this series is back to being what it was about seven years ago. A lot of Pittsburgh and too little of the Bengals. Go back 11 years, because I did and I saw it again and I still can't believe it. Go back 11 years and see the streak the Steelers were on with the Bengals. Twelve times they met. Twelve times between late December of 2006 and October of 2012. The Steelers won 10 of those 12 meetings. Ben Roethlisberger had the Bengals number then, and lately he has it again. At home, coming off the win over the Chiefs that the Steelers had back last Sunday, they seem to be on their playoff feet again. you got to think this latest trend, this dominance of the Bengals, you got to think it's got a decent chance of continuing today. Since 2011, the year Andy Dalton and A.J. Green came into the NFL, the Steelers have beaten the Bengals 10 times in 13 games. That's not a rivalry. That's dominance. Look, I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy. The Bengals are 2-3, and three, but they haven't beaten anyone this season. Anyone. You and I can go to Fountain Square right now, recruit nine people. We'd stand a decent shot of beating the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are to the NFL what agriculture was to the Soviet Union, non-existent. The Bengals beat the Bills. The Bills have a very good defense. Their offense, collectively, has the mobility of a large kitchen appliance. If the Bengals want to be taken seriously, rather than just a team that has a seriously bad resume in high-profile games, If they want to be taken seriously, they need to beat the Steelers today. And I think there's a pathway to it. First and foremost, they need to concentrate on core business. That means not trying to knock out as many Steelers from the game. 
That means not worrying whether or not Joey Porter wanders onto the field. That means not dancing with your teammates on the sidelines or running with your teammates through a tunnel after you've pulled off an interception. That means concentrating on executing plays. Neither the Bengals nor the Steelers have done a very good job of that lately. In fact, if you have an alcohol problem and you wander into a bar here in the next 10 or 15 minutes, here's a bar bet you can win. Since 2015, the Bengals and the Steelers combined have committed more extracurricular penalties than any other NFL matchup. We're talking personal fouls, unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer, taunting, those kinds of things. No other matchup since 2015 has produced more of those than the Bengals and the Steelers. Combined, the two teams have been flagged 19 times for that kind of nonsense. 19 times since 2015. Since 2011, only one Bengals-Steelers game, only one, hasn't had that kind of penalty. That was in 2012. So job one today for your Cincinnati Bengals is keep your composure. Look, this year's Steelers team isn't great. These are not your father's Steelers. This is a team that got torched by Jacksonville, went to Chicago, got run over by the epitome of NFL parody, the Bears. Ben Roethlisberger threw five picks, two of which were pick sixes. This team is neither cerebral nor complex. You want a stat to back that up? Here you go. Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown have accounted for 70% of the Steelers' plays this season. Seven times in ten, when Roethlisberger calls a play, it's either to Brown or to Bell. Not complex, not cerebral. Here's a novel concept that might help the Bengals win. Stop Brown, stop Bell. Meantime, RoboCop, otherwise known as Big Ben, has played most of this season as if he's on some sort of antihistamine. As we begin today, of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the league, Big Ben's rating is 29th best. Let me break that down for you. Only three other quarterbacks in the NFL are having a worse season right now than Ben Roethlisberger. He's 29th in touchdowns to interceptions ratio and next to last in personal turnovers. He appears to be leading his teams to wins in spite of himself. He is having the worst year overall he has had since 2006. But the Steelers' defense is having an outstanding year, and for that you've got to give them credit. This is what's really carrying this team. It's number one in the NFL in defending the pass. It's third in the NFL in total defense, tied for second in the league for most sacks. Statistically, the Bengals' defense almost mirrors the Steelers' defense. But here's the big difference. The Steelers will hit the Bengals in the mouth today. They always hit the Bengals in the mouth. Hines Ward hit Keith Rivers on a blindside block, broke his jaw. Kevin Huber got caught covering a punt, got his jaw broken. A couple of years ago, the Steelers' Ryan Chazier hit Gio Bernard on a Sunday that knocked Gio Bernard back to the Wednesday before. They'll hit, they'll taunt, then they'll hit you again. 
And the perfect response today, if the Bengals want to win, is keep your composure. Anything else, and today will be nothing more than what this series has become again. And that is not a rivalry. 749-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE, pound 700 on AT&T. I know this game is a long way from kickoff, but we're going to be so prepared today, you and me, so prepared for this game, we will know exactly what is in store for Cincinnati and what the Bengals have to do to get out of Pittsburgh with a win. And if they get out of Pittsburgh with a win today and they level off at 3-3 three and three, and they get a win inside the division, which is like getting two wins for the price of one, then we can have a legitimate talk about what lies ahead for this football team. But they have to win the most important game they will play in a long, long time. Neil Kulong, king of all internet media for USA Today. He'll stop by to give his thoughts on this game today. Also stopping by the man who is entrusted with covering the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-7, 365. Embedded in Pittsburgh by ESPN. Jeremy Fowler is going to join us today to talk about this as well. If you are so inclined to invest your money in certain games today, something that you feel might be a strong return for you, then our man Lee Sterling is going to stop by today from Paramount Sports. He'll handicap about four or five big games in the NFL, including this one between the Bengals and the Steelers. And then I don't know, maybe you've seen this this week. I did, and it kind of made me nauseous. But Major League Baseball is messing with the primal forces of nature. It wants to eliminate, so we're told, the American and National Leagues and instead go to eight teams per division. Four divisions, eight teams. And the thinking is, the Reds will get dumped into the Filene's basement of Major League Baseball with teams like Baltimore and Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh and every Atlanta and every other godforsaken franchise that has absolutely no shot of winning a World Series title in the next seven to ten years. Can't tell you how disappointed I am in that. But we'll discuss that. We'll also... We'll also get a get a handle on college football from our college football smart guy, Ben Kerchival, from CBSSports.com. Here's a couple of questions. Does Ohio State, even with two weeks to prepare for Penn State, have what it takes to knock off what appears to be, at the very least, the second best team in all of college football? And should Notre Dame be back in the conversation? For college football playoff, after what happened last night against Southern Cal. It's all grist for the mill. You and me, right here till noon today, on the home of your Cincinnati Bengals. You're listening to Mercy Health Sunday morning sports talking only on News Radio 700 WLW. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear. 51 years ago today. If you were listening to the radio 51 years ago today, you heard this song for the very first time. It dropped 51 years ago today. 
song that took Brian Wilson six months to record. Multiple takes. Recorded in four different studios. Cost the man and the Beach Boys $16,000. $16,000 to cut this song. In today's dollars, that would be about $400,000. But it was a masterpiece. Rolling Stone magazine said it was the fourth best single ever recorded. Fourth best. The Beatles' A Day in the Life, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit, Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. Only those, Rolling Stone magazine says, was better. Yeah, it eventually went to number one with some of the greatest musicians in the world playing on it. The Wrecking Crew out in L.A. Hal Blaine on drums, Al Casey on guitar, Al Delore on piano. And the way Wilson produced this song, he did it in segments. They'd record a little bit, then edit, record a little bit, edit, and do different takes to piece the song together. Caught a lot of flack among the other artists at the time, but it, it's kind of become the standard in the way songs are pieced together in this day and age. This took so long because Wilson put this, this song on the shelf so he could work, and work on the album Pet Sounds and get that done, so became kind of a laborious effort but 51 years ago one of the true classics good vibrations hit the streets yeah it did mostly sunny high near 78 today tonight chance of showers low around 60 tomorrow some showers too it's gonna rain you're gonna get your grass cut you better get it today high near 68 tomorrow and tuesday maybe some rain too High near 58. As a matter of fact, 58 is where we are right now. 58 degrees at the Tri-State's Severe Weather Station, News Radio 700 WLW. Uh, The UC Bearcats lost a heartbreaker last night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heartbreaker. 31-28 in overtime to the SMU Mustangs. And this is a game, this is a game that UC should have won. I think they made a major faux pas at the end of regulation by not going for the win. You're at home. You haven't won for a while. You have the momentum of having not only just tied the game at 28 on a touchdown and a two-point conversion, but your defense then goes out and stops SMU. Instead, UC runs the ball, runs out the clock, thinks it's going to win in overtime. It did not. 31-28 was the final. Uh, and this is what Luke Fickle, who's gone through a, a real rough stretch here in his first year as head coach, this is what he said to the team after the game. I think this one really, really, really hurts, and they're tired of hearing that they're close, and they're closer, and they're closer, but um, we got to find them. we got to find a way. There's inches out there. There's there's things out there, and, you know, these bad things can become contagious, and, you know, it's not from a lack of effort. It's not, you know, it's not any one specific thing. It's, it's attention to detail. It's finding a way to, to finish things the way we need to have them finished. And, uh, you know, it's really difficult to look them in the eyes and, and not say, hey, we, we're going in the right direction. I know that seniors don't want to hear that, but, you know, we're continuing to build upon the things that we're doing. And, you know, we, we got to take a swing at these last four. And then a classic mistake in overtime. 
SMU kicks the field goal, takes the 31-28 lead. UC gets the ball back. Now, they've got a they've got a quarterback problem at UC. I mean, they just do. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the two guys that they've got, there's no really good choice between the two of them. I hear there's a freshman in waiting who may be able to come in and and maybe lead this offense next season. I'm sure that, that Fickle is out recruiting quarterbacks, but the guys they got right now, uh, they're not getting it done. And worse, in overtime, Hayden Moore makes one of the most bizarre decisions I've seen in a long, long time. He is in the, the middle of getting sacked, and it's third down. And remember, it's overtime. Both teams get to possess the ball. It's an over, and, he, and he's in the, in the process of getting sacked, and somehow he thinks it's a good idea to do a scoop pass forward to whom I don't know. It must have been Mike Boone because it looked like it hit him right in the face. And the bottom line is SMU recovers this shuffle pass. I guess it was. I don't know what you would call it. They recovered what was deemed a fumble. And uh, and that's how the UC lost. Rather than taking the sack, taking a chance at kicking a field goal and tying a game, um, Aiden Moore tries something that was just not not smart. But there were other problems along the way for this team. I mean, they got in the red zone, I think, six times. And, uh, I mean, a chance to potentially score 42 points. And I think that in the red zone, six times they came away with 21. And so red zone inefficiency was on Fickle's mind after the game last night. Yeah, but we, we can't give up sacks down there. We know people are going to all out pressure us and, you know, that's, that's that next step to being smart about the things and that balance between, hey, being aggressive to make a play to hold on it and, and, and when to, when to just get rid of it and say, hey, we'll, we'll live to fight another down and get ourselves in a better situation. And, and, uh, you know, we, that, that's what, uh, those are the things that come back to get you. Yeah, it's game awareness. It's where you are on the field and how much time you got left on the clock and what the score is. And they just didn't display that in that overtime, nor did I think they displayed it in the end of regulation. You, you, you've got the momentum. You've got that team down. You've got to take your shot. You've got to take your shot. You haven't won in, in what, three or four weeks? You've got to take your shot. Off week next week, and then the season comes down the home stretch for the Final Four. 749-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE, pound 700 on AT&T. We begin teeing up the Bengals and the Steelers next. On News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. 9:34. If you got to be somewhere by 10, you got 26 minutes. See, I know that because I went to Ohio University and we excel in math. By the way, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network is reporting that John Ross will not play today. And he will not suit up for the I didn't think Ross was going to play. Uh, I just I just did not think they were going to send him out there, you know, coming off an injury in his rookie season to play at Pittsburgh. Don't know about Deron Smith, the safety. He was also listed as questionable. Adam Jones listed as doubtful for this game today. Here's a headline, Adam Jones will not play today. You know that in the history of the 2017 season, every week, and what are we in now, week uh, six? Is what it is, week seven? Every week that a player has been listed as doubtful, 
on any injury report, any team, any game. There hasn't been one that's played yet. You can see a guy that's listed as doubtful. He's not going to play. Kickoff 425 in Pittsburgh. Let's go to the phones. Phil is on a cell. Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Uh, this, this is Tim uh, coming through Mansfield. Yes, I just caught a tail end of your uh, story with uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Cincinnati about 20 minutes ago, and it's always going to be a very interesting game. Um, I don't know what time uh, kickoff is, but if I'm working, Four, I think 425. I'm going to be Okay, I'm working about 12 hours a day. I'm a traveler. I do construction, so I'm going to fight take off and watch that game. You made it sound very interesting. Well, uh, they always are. Yeah, and I built also, I uh, had uh, built Paul Brown Stadium back in 1999 in August. You did? Absolutely. Got all the concrete out there. No they kidding. Up. You know, no it's kidding. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think the lease here is up on that stadium in another eight years, and they'll probably want a new one. I'm sure. I'm sure. You might be down here in eight years pouring concrete. <laughs> it was. A, it's going to be a very interesting game, and you made it sound very interesting. Yeah. That's all I had to say. Yeah. Well, that's that's my job, and I don't have to really work at making it sound interesting because they always are. They always are. Media beginning to trickle into uh, Heinz Field out in Pittsburgh. Why would you? Why would you go there like at nine thirty-six in the morning for a four twenty-five game? I don't know. Parking, yeah, parking could be a problem in Pittsburgh. We caught up with, uh, on the uh, Celebrity Hotline, we caught up with Jeremy Fowler, who uh, is patient enough to give us some time here on uh, on this Sunday. He is not at Heinz Field. He is at his house. So probably just enjoying a muffin or two. Anyway, Jeremy Fowler, ESPN and ESPN.com. He is the embedded reporter with the Pittsburgh Steelers and one of the best of those 32. And uh, like I said, he's taking a little time to join us this Sunday morning here on News Radio 7. 100 WLW. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. How's it going? Good. I think it's going well for you. There's no shortage of things to write about out there between the anthem protests and Le'Veon Bell's holdout and Martavis Bryant wanting the ball more and Antonio Brown wanting the ball more and Ben questioning whether or not he's lost it. It's like a writer's paradise out there, isn't it? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, I mean, the bye week's coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'll tell you, it's been all work, all the time with this team, and really, you know, the Ravens and Bengals are both the rivals for the Steelers, but you can argue the biggest rival right now is themselves. Well, let's talk a little bit about about the drama that's going on out there. I, uh, Bryant, the Bryant thing has pretty much been put to bed, has it not? I mean, all of the thing that festered after the that game the other night in Kansas City that, has that been put to bed? For the most part. You know, Bryant came out and, and it was pretty clear that, that he's ready to go to help his team win. He doesn't have a problem. But there's some issues bubbling under the surface about unhappiness. Now, the Steelers are not going to trade him. I keep hearing that, and they really don't have no intention to do that. And really, his market wouldn't be very high because of the two strikes against him in the drug and substance abuse program at the NFL. And so, um, you know, they know that they need him. And really, Roethlisberger and Bryant need each other. Because the deep ball hasn't been there this year, just two of 17 on passes 30 yards downfield or more. And a couple more hits there with Brian, and then this is a totally different offense right now. And they know it. Uh, Bell seems to be back into a groove. I don't want to overplay, and I'm sure you don't either, what he did last week at Kansas City. But obviously, as struggles the first two or three weeks of the season, you could see. 
he had missed training camp. Is there a feeling now yeah. that, that, you know, he's back to being the old Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, really the last three weeks he's looked like himself. Starting at the end of week four against the Ravens, he looked like he had more burst and explosion out of his legs. Just the first three weeks he looked a little sluggish, you could tell. And really, uh, that was the consequence of missing camp. And Mike Tomlin that word exactly back at the beginning of camp and referenced it again this week that there were consequences for missing. Um, maybe rest on the field was one of them. And, and he didn't know if he'd totally gotten out of that yet, but all he knows is that he's playing very well right now. And, um, yeah, they feel like their formula for winning is not passing the ball 50 times a game really anymore. It's to run the ball 25, 30 times or more. They're 11 and Bell runs the ball more than 25 times. That's yeah. pretty telling. Yeah. Uh, how much, um, in in your opinion, has Joe Hayden helped that secondary? Um, Hayden has had some, some good games against the Bengals. We know that here. But how much is he, has he helped the secondary that, uh, you know, showed a few holes over the course of the last few years? Yeah, well, it's really in vogue now to have good cover corners. I mean, it's the thing that you need in today's NFL. And they had one in Artie Burns, but... Uh, Ross Cockrell, who was in camp at them and started all last year, played pretty well, but just didn't have a good preseason. Hayden sort of became a free agent fell into the lap. And so, uh, he is an upgrade. Um, you know, he, he might not be what he was in 2013-14. Still a, a really quality corner. Burns can play one side. Hayden can play the other. And occasionally they'll take him off the field for, you know, goal line sets or, uh, you know, if they need more run support. He's not like a big run stopper, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can still cover, and really his, his uh, quickness has held up despite some injuries the last few years, especially to his groin. He, he hasn't really shown any ill effects from that aspect inside. Last week was was just a, a, a terrific, you know, uh, win for them, and they match up well against the Chiefs. You've been yeah. on this beat for a couple of years. How do you how do you think they match up against the Bengals? Because it, it always seems to me that these games come down to one or two plays. And I'm just wondering, is, is is this a fortuitous matchup from the Pittsburgh point of view this week? How how do you view it? Well, the Bengals' defense plays in very tough. I don't necessarily think that the Steelers beat the Bengals is a great matchup because their long defensive ends can give them problems. You know, Atkins in the middle is really um, really the best defensive attack on the game, according to guard David DeCastro. He would tell you that. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and, and Press corners are play physical, and so that affects them a little bit. I think four of the last five games against the Bengals, they haven't scored more than 25 points. But similar to what the Chiefs did last week, they have aggressive corners that will play on the line, play some man coverage. When the Bengals do some of that, the Steelers feel like their weapons can win. They almost like that a little better than zone. Uh, and so, you know, of course the Bengals can mix that up on their side as well, but uh, I wouldn't say they love the matchup. I think Robertsburg said today they're one of the top two or three defenses in the league right now, and so they know it's going to be probably one of those, you know, twenty to sixteen type games. And and conversely, you know, I mean, you look at these at these stats. Um, you know, Brown's got three punt returns in his in his in his career against Cincinnati, but he doesn't have a lot of big games. He has two jump out games, but a lot of them are just kind of run of the mill games. And the same for Bell too. I, now he had a hundred yard game two three years ago, but most of the time, uh, the Bengals have done a pretty good job of holding these guys in check. Where the, I think where the Steelers have really hurt the Bengals is with the tight end. They they seem to exploit the Bengals yeah. with their tight end. How big is the tight end in in the Steelers? 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Offense this year, just the, the overall philosophy of, uh, of such. I know Jesse James is there. Hubbard is there. But, I mean, is, is it as big a part of their offense as it's been in years past? Well, it's a little unsettled. I wouldn't go as far to say as what it was with Keith Miller because he had such a chemistry with Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who raved even about Heath Miller today when talking about the tight end, how close they were on and off the field, and that helped, and, and Miller did a lot of the little things. So they have Jesse James, and they have Vance McDonald, two guys that they like and, and are intrigued by, and, and they played well, even though the catches weren't there last week. Two tight end blocking sets really worked well in the running game. That, that helped them. And so if they can sort of sustain that, uh, but it goes back to those big, lanky defensive ends for the Bengals. That's not necessarily a great matchup mm-hmm. for the Steelers tight ends, depending on what they see. I mean, Jesse James is six foot seven, so maybe he can help combat that. But, um, those guys will, will be tough, you know, especially with the chip blocking and, and trying to stop them. Um, you know, they, they know they're not going to get a lot of catches on the tight end, but, Jesse James especially is still a good red zone target. That's where he can really make his money. He's had a few targets this year where he's made it happen in the red zone, and they like to go to him there when they can. Jeremy Fowler, our guest, ESPN, uh, and he covers the Steelers full-time out there with the team 24-7. Uh, we saw James Harrison play last week against, uh, against the Chiefs and play well. It seems like Tomlin is spotting him in. Some games he doesn't even play. Some games he plays like he did last week and is very effective. Would you expect James Harrison to play in this game today? I think he will. Um, uh, Mike Tomlin said this week he's open to it. And so I do expect him to get some snaps because he's he's sort of a hot hand right now. Uh, The Steelers are really in a tough spot here, in my opinion, because they've drafted two first-round picks to pass rusher. And they got a young guy, Anthony Chickler, that they like. And really, those guys need to be able to take ownership of the job and say, you almost, from their mentality, need to try to put James in retirement, you know, because you want to take ownership of it. But um, they've had some good moments. But when the game was crucial in Kansas City, they went to Harrison, and he got it done with the sack. Now, they like that matchup, but Eric Fisher, um, he seems to always play well against that tackle for Kansas City. So, you know, the playing spots, I do think they'll play against Cincinnati, but um, if they don't play him, I wouldn't be surprised because at age 39, they're trying to pace him. They want him ready for the playoffs, too. But Harrison's argument is like, look, I just want to compete. I don't want to sit on the sideline. I can still play, and I can get stronger as the snaps increase. Yeah, one of the medical marvels of our time. Uh, listen, uh, Jeremy, I really appreciate it. Jeremy Fowler, check him out, ESPN Online and ESPN Television. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, man. This game is flopping between a five and a six. Bengals plus five, Bengals plus six. In fact, uh, the line has um, kind of burped here in about the last six to seven hours. So we'll see. They say, and I'll get into this with Lee Sterling in, uh, in, in, in t- at 1035. They say when a line is at five, it's a dead line. People really aren't playing it all that well. You want a line that's somewhere around... Three, and if you don't get three, go to six. I'm not, I'm not saying you. I'm saying the guys out in Vegas. But five, it's just kind of like, eh. eh. I don't know. 
You're listening to Mercy Health's Injury Hotline, Sunday morning sports talk, and it continues next on News Radio 700 WLW. 951 News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back to Mercy Health's Injury Hotline, Sunday morning sports talk. Good to have you with us. Bengals and Steelers 425 kick. There are other games, obviously, that are before that. I wanted to go over uh, one of them right now in uh, inside the Bengals division, which I think is an intriguing matchup. You have the Ravens and the Vikings. Ravens are 3-3, three and three, Vikings are 4-2, and two, and there's a lot of talk that the Vikings now are the favorites to win the AFC North with Aaron Rodgers out. Uh, uh, it sounds like... Just the news of the day is that Rodgers may be able to start throwing again in early December. But again, I don't know if that's throwing again or NFL ready to throw in a game again. I would seriously doubt that he would be ready to play in the league again for at least the next two months. But we'll see. Anyway, uh, here we go today and... uh, it's the Vikings and the Ravens. They play this one in Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings, uh, their defense is pretty darn good. They play the rush well. They're about 12th out of 32 teams. And the Vikings are up against a, a Ravens team today that, that, that simply uh, is, is not good offensively. It's horrible offensively. I don't know if you've seen any of the Ravens this year, but you, you look at that team and you say, how in God's name did they win three games? Vikings offense, not bad, as we said. The the, the, the Ravens' defense, which has uh, always been its strength, is um, not great. They play well on third down. They play well in the red zone. But I, I wouldn't say that the, the Ravens' defense, which has been the hallmark of that team, is a real strength this year. The Ravens have struggled against the run. I mean, they're they're giving up over 140 rushing yards per game. And if that trend continues, that would be the most they had given up in franchise history. 141 yards per game. 30th in the league in rushing yards. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Vikings have, you know, they, they, they haven't run the ball all that well. It's okay. It's not great. Their rushing offense, as I said, is 12th. But here's what's going on with with this Vikings team this year, and you would expect it with Mike Zimmer as their head coach. Um, They're ranked points per game. They're giving up, on the average, just a little over 17. That is fifth best in the league. Their third down percentage. In other words, the ability to get off the field. The Vikings are the best in the league. Teams are only converting third down chances one in four times, just 25% of the time. And and on offense, they're figuring out a way to win with Case Keenum. Now, they've gone through some quarterbacks up there, Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford. Keenum this season, and I find this staggering, and I, I, I found it kind of newsworthy since the Vikings aren't a team that I follow with any great regularity. But Case Keenum has one interception, just one, in 159 passing attempts this season. Only Alex Smith has a better uh, percentage of passing to interceptions in the NFL this year. One in 159 pass attempts. The uh, Vikings are favored in this game, largely because of that and largely because Joe Flacco is just horrid. 
Um, he's having the. If this is the worst year of, of of Flacco's career, he is he is he is having not on average, but in every major passing category, Flacco is having the worst game of his career. I I don't see how the Ravens go into ball into a Minnesota and win this game, but our smart guy Lee Sterling is standing by and. We'll be by here in about 35 minutes to tell us whether or not I'm hallucinating or if I'm onto something. A lot of football to get to and some baseball. I want to talk next about this absurdity that I heard this week. This plan that's been floated where Major League Baseball is considering dropping the American and the National League and going to eight four-team divisions with the Reds thrown into what can only be described as the dumpster division. We'll get into that next. Football on the horizon with the Bengals and the Steelers. But that pertinent topic next on Mercy Health's Injury Hotline Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Good morning, 1007. I got an email here from Phil, who writes in and he says, uh, <clears throat> I'm the fool, meaning him, not me. I'm a fool for other reasons. He says, I'm the fool that emailed you several years ago and complained about Andrew Whitworth's quote-unquote muscle tone. LOL. Give anything to have him now. He says, do you think the Bengals' front office will recognize they have a top-five NFL running back and in turn really focus on the offensive line this coming season? Will they see that it needs to become Joe Mixon's offense? Short answer to your question is, I hope so. But I don't know. They need to. If you draft in 2015 offensive tackles in rounds one and two, and you say, they are my future, and in turn you let Andre Smith go, and in turn you fail to re-sign Andrew Whitworth, and you bring Andre Smith back, and he becomes your best tackle? You've made a serious error in judgment. So, yeah, I think they, uh, yeah. It's not hard to see what's going on in the league. It is a throw first. It is a throw first league. It has been for a long time. You throw first, and then you run. You throw first, you score touchdowns, you milk the clock. You milk the clock with a good running back. That's how you win in the NFL. If you can't run block, and this team can't run block, then you have made a serious error in judgment with your offensive line. Give me another explanation. I That's what I see. By the way, if you'd like to send me an email, ken at kenbrew.com is the uh, email address. Twitter is up and running. We get uh, we get feedback that way. It's the at sign in my name, K-E-N-B-R-O-O. Sign up today. Get my pithy little comments throughout the day. All right, let's put football talk on hold for a bit. We'll get back to it later in the hour. I want to talk baseball. 
Something happened this week that I looked at and shuddered just over the mere thought of this. Tracy Ringlesby, who's a fine baseball writer, wrote many, many years in Denver for the papers out there and now writes for BaseballAmerica.com. Good guy. Probably seen him on some of the ESPN shows. He's always wearing a cowboy hat, the big black cowboy hat. Knows baseball inside out. He floated this story this week that Major League Baseball is considering doing away with national and American leagues, that they're going to make baseball basically like hockey, and you're just going to have a bunch of divisions, and then at the end of that, you expand the playoffs and basically expand the postseason. The regular season would be cut back to 156 games. It would also cut down on travel. Every team then would have a day off once a week. The idea to give the players a day off, they're more fresh, less travel costs. And then he broke down what he envisioned as four eight-team divisions. The East, North, the Midwest, and the West. Guess who is not in the division that he envisions the Reds being in? That would be the Chicago Cubs. That would be the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't like that. This is whom he thinks would be in the same division as your Cincinnati Reds. Atlanta, Baltimore, Miami, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, and Washington. Let me look at this here. Atlanta, one good team. One. I understand that's the way things sit here in 2017, but one good team. Nobody wants, do you really want to see a lot of Tampa Bay or a lot? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of Baltimore? And conversely, does Baltimore want to see a lot of Cincinnati, or would they rather see a lot more of the Yankees? One of the you know whenever things whenever things get to major issues in baseball, I, I want to bring in my next guest because I think he's one of the smartest guys when it comes to analyzing baseball. He writes right now for Baseball Prospectus. He's written several books. He just he just gets it. He's just a really smart baseball guy. Let's bring in Rob Maines from Baseball Prospectus. Good morning, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the kind work. Um, let's just uh, let's just talk about the playoffs so far. How good, in your opinion, are the Dodgers? And if and if they're destined to win this thing, and after the way they handled the Cubs, it would be hard pressed not to think that they couldn't they couldn't win all win this thing, you know, outright. What what is the source of their strength? Is it pitching? Is it every day eight? Is it manager? If you had to pick one strength of that team, what would it be? Yeah, I think I would go with the pitching. Um, what's what's differentiated this Dodgers team, I think, from some of the ones that have um, you know failed in the past is the Dodgers have always had pitching depth, but it hasn't been really good pitching depth. You know, when you when you're leading off with Kershaw is great, but you know they've got they've got strength behind him in the rotation now, mm-hmm. and um, they've fortified the bullpen around Jansen. They always had this problem of getting a bridge to their closer. And you add that with a lineup, especially with uh, apparently Seager's going to be back, that top to bottom, uh, 
they're not necessarily the most formal, formidable hitters one by one, but there's really no holes in that lineup. So mm-hmm. I think that's what, uh, that's what would differentiate the team most would be the pitching. And Dave Roberts, I think, has been a tremendous manager. The, the job of, you know, dealing with a team that's always shuttling team guys on and off the disabled list and a clubhouse with a lot of, you know, big salaried guys, I think that uh, the job he's done remains a little underrated. And yet one of the stars so far in the playoffs is a guy that was a Reds farmhand, uh, Justin Turner, who the Reds drafted back, I think, in 2008 in the seventh or eighth round of that draft. And was part of the deal that brought uh, Hernandez here, the uh, the catcher that was on those terrific teams about six, seven years ago. You never know, do you? I mean, here's Turner. He was drafted, you know, got lost in the organization, got traded a couple of times. All of a sudden, he lands with the Dodgers, making big money and contributing. You just never know, do you, with any of these guys? Yeah, isn't that a nice thing about our sport, that a uh, guy who's been kind of a fringe major leaguer can make some changes and all of a sudden emerge as a real star. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, obviously, MVP of the, uh, of the NLCS is nothing to sneeze at, but he was a great performer all year as well. Yeah. Just, I guess, misplaced his razor along the way. But, look, they can work on that stuff in November and December. Rob Maines, our guest, BaseballProspectus.com. I'm sure you saw what was floated this week. I think it was Tracy Ringlesby in, the, uh, in BaseballAmerica.com that apparently there is talk about baseball expanding and then after expansion, complete and radical realignment. First of all, I, I, I think if this indeed happens, if this expansion happens, it's it's several years down the road. I would guess at least five. But is there enough? I mean, it seems almost at times you watch games on a random Thursday or Friday and you wonder if there's enough talent for the current level of Major League Baseball. To add two more teams seems to dilute it even more. Is there is there enough talent to float two more teams here within the next three to five years? Yeah, I think there is, and I think that that our because I, I agree with 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 your uh, sentiment, Ken. That that you look at teams, and you know, it seems that uh, by the time we get to June or July, every team's got two or three guys that you never heard of who are mm-hmm. playing on them. I think that's partly a product of modern roster construction, where you've got so many pitchers. And, you know, you got guys in the bullpen. The number eight reliever is really a fungible part. It's a guy who very likely uh, is going to be optioned up and down from AAA four or five times in the season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that part of the, um, uh, of the roster, I think, kind of creates an illusion of a lack of depth because you got all these interchangeable arms at the end that you're not familiar with. But the thing is, all of them throw 90 to 95 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. And the corollary of that is that creates a need for batters who can play a lot of positions if you've got a limited number of position players and not necessarily the sluggers that we're more used to. So I think that there is enough talent. It's just that the way that's getting deployed, and this is, you know, this is modern baseball and this is what wins games for you, I don't know if it's the most optimal uh, from the perspective of fans where we, you know, a lot of us would like to see starters that go seven innings and then maybe a couple relievers right. and enough right. guys on the bench that you can do platoons and do some good pinch hitting. But that's not how the game is uh, has evolved, and I think that roster construction uh, just reflects that. So, yeah, I think there is enough talent in AAA to add a team in Montreal and then, you know, uh, Ringlesby suggested Portland. I've heard um, Las Vegas or San Antonio. But, I, yeah, I think that there is enough. But agreed, it's not going to be something imminent. Yeah, four teams, eight divisions. And the way this is breaking down, at least in the minds of people that, you know, like you that follow it for a living, is that they would put both 
New York teams in Boston and Cleveland and what would be called the North Division. The Midwest, uh, the Cardinals want the Cubs. The Cubs want the White Sox. Kansas City wants St. Louis. I mean, so that's almost geographically the one that makes the most sense. The East, which where they were going to play Cincinnati, where most people think Cincinnati's going to go, it kind of looks like the Filene's bargain basement of baseball. I mean, you got the Braves and the Orioles and the Marlins and Pittsburgh and Tampa. I mean, the only decent team they've got them paired with is Washington. That almost seems like that's the dumpster of this whole realignment thing. If I'm a Reds fan, I wouldn't want to be put in the, the same division as those teams. Understanding everything is cyclical, they could be good three to five years from now. I wouldn't want that, would you? No, but as you said, everything is cyclical. I'll tell you, Kim, the thing that I can see the logic in adding a couple teams, because just if you're going to do the math of scheduling, mm-hmm. um, 32 is a lot easier to schedule than 30 teams. Yeah. But the idea that you would then completely blow up the league that we have now and do everything geographically, and I understand that you can save a lot of money on travel expenses because baseball teams travel mm-hmm. certainly more than anyone else's, but I think that there would be a lot of pushback from that not only from fans, but there was a pretty smart uh, critique of this by Jay Jack in Sports Illustrated where he pointed out that if you're the Orioles and you're currently playing nine or ten home games a year against the Red Sox and Yankees, mm-hmm. and that's going to become, I think, under the new, sky, the new alignment, that would become three, that's going to be a huge drop right. in revenue to right. not have those teams come to the park. So I think there's going to be... You know, the, the loss of traditional rivalries, especially when those traditional rivalries bring, uh, bring fans to the ballpark, I think that that would create some resistance in baseball's hierarchy. I could see adding two teams, but I don't know if the realignment that he's suggesting would uh, go over smoothly. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I, I, we talked about random Thursdays and Fridays. I just don't see a packed house for the Reds against the Tampa Bay Rays on a random Thursday in July. I just Unless you're giving away bobbleheads of every single player that ever played for the Cincinnati Reds, I just don't see a strong gate there. Rob Maines, baseball, yeah. BaseballPerspectus.com. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Oh, always good to talk to you, Ken. I appreciate it. I was talking with our, uh, our guy Dave here on the other side of the glass. What becomes of the DH? What becomes of the DH? Because you're throwing American League teams and National League teams in these divisions. For example, you've got in the West, the way uh, the, the writer has this laid out, you, you'd have Anaheim, Arizona, the Dodgers, Oakland, Portland, San Diego, San Francisco, and Seattle. Well, how does the DH fit into that? You know, I think what they should do is make the DH optional. You want a designated hitter in a game? Put a designated hitter in a game. You want to carry on your roster an extra an extra everyday player, an extra bench guy? Good. Well, you'd rather carry an extra pitcher? That's fine, too. I think you just open it up and you just say, what do you want to do? I mean, obviously, Major League Baseball can't by edict. We've seen that since the DH has come in. They can't by edict tell the National League teams, okay, now you're using the DH, so make it optional. You want to have a roster with fewer pitchers? Fine. And want an extra? Fine. Do it. I think it's a long way off, and I agree with uh, Maines. I'm not sure it includes Montreal and Portland. I think baseball wants to go international. I think it. Uh, I think it's 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 looking at some international markets. And Montreal, I you know, I mean, it's outside the United States, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to look in in places like Mexico. Would not be surprised if they tried to figure out a way, eventually, to put a franchise in Tokyo. I mean, I, I think that's where they want to go with this thing, broader in scope. 
as opposed to untapped markets in the United States. 1021, you're listening to Mercy Health's Injury Hotline, Sunday morning sports talk, only on News Radio 700 WLW. News Radio 700 WLW, welcome back to the Injury Hotline show, only on this station. I need it too. Now this is old guy music, I admit it. Check your vinyl collection and see if you have the album The Supremes of Go-Go, which on this date in 1966 went to number one on the U.S. album charts. First album by an all-female group to reach number one on the album charts. Super Supreme song went to number one as well. Written, of course, by the great Brian Holland, Lamont Dozier, and Eddie Holland. A lot of cover songs on the Supremes of Go-Go. See, back in the day, back in the 60s, back in the, back in the 60s when I was a kid, major labels didn't really care about albums. They just kind of thought, eh. They just thought it was just, you know, like the, the garbage end of the business. They were pushing out singles. 45 RPMs, that's where they made their money. So that's why a lot of the Motown acts would record covers of other Motown acts. And so on this this album that the Supremes released 51 years ago today, you had songs like the Isleys, This Old Heart of Mine. They had the Supremes version of that. They had the Supremes version of the Four Tops, I Can't Help Myself. This was the first of four straight number one hits for the Supremes, which also had a streak of five straight number one hits a couple of years before that. The ninth studio album released by the Supremes, which went to number one on the U.S. album charts 51 years ago today. The fabulous Funk Brothers. All the Sunny today, high near 78. I'm just telling you, if you got to cut the grass, nah, might want to get out there today and do it. Because tonight, rain moves in, showers, dogs and cats living together. Low around 60, and then Monday, more showers, high near 68, and the rain may linger on into Tuesday. We are at, oh, looky there, 63 right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station, News Radio 700 WLW. John, on the email account, writes in... If the two leagues merge, and if the designated hitter is so ordained to be part of this new realignment, John says he's going to give up baseball. Even the former commissioner said it was the worst decision he ever made when Major League Baseball instituted the DH. I'm telling you what they're going to do. They're going to say, okay, just do your own thing. You got, you have 20, you have 25 man rosters. That's what you got, 25-man rosters. You want a DH? Use it. Go ahead. You want an extra pitcher for your pen? Okay, no problem. Everybody just does their own thing. It's the way it is now anyway with most things, most things, right? Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is next. He's the guy that can tell you what games you should invest your money in today, if any. And he joins us next on Mercy Health's Injury Hotline. Sunday morning sports talk available only on this 50,000-watt mother... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The flamethrower. iHeartRadio's. A order of love. News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday Morning Sports Talk on News Radio 700 WLW. been watching the line on this Bengals-Steelers game for the last 24 hours, and it's, it's, it's back and forth, five or six. I, I think it's at five right now in most houses that I've seen uh, out in Vegas. Either way, the Bengals go into this game as an underdog. Doesn't mean road dogs can't win, but they're seriously going to have to work on their focus in this game against the Steelers this week. I just, you know, to be honest with you, I think that's the biggest problem the Bengals have when they play the Steelers. I think they get caught up in the hype. They get caught up in the intensity. They get caught up in all the hoopla. And they forget the fact that you got to go out there and block and tackle. When this team was at its best in Pittsburgh, when it was winning games in Pittsburgh, for example, in 2012, when it won the division title in Pittsburgh, it blocked, it tackled, it was focused on its task. Not all the other nonsense that it seems to be distracted by now. I don't know. There's, uh, there are all kinds of uh, theories as to why the Bengals struggle with the uh, Steelers in Pittsburgh. But now a man who understands where you may want to invest your money today. He's with us every single Sunday at 1035 to break down games all over the National Football League so that tomorrow you can walk into your office beating your chest and saying, I knew long before the kickoff, I knew exactly where to place my money and how much it would return. He is from Paramount Sports, our smart guy. He is Lee Sterling, and we welcome him in here to Sunday Morning's Sports Talk. Lee, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Yeah, still trying to get up to that, that game on Thursday night. What oh a gosh. finish. Yeah. One of the craziest finishes uh, in that Oakland-Kansas City games. It seemed like that last uh, sequence lasted like a half an hour. So yeah. I thought the original uh, touchdown call when, they, when, when Crabtree pushed off, yeah. I think that happens all the time on fade routes, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a big fan of running the fade route. I mean, the the margin for error is so small. But um, you know, that's that's a tough call either way. And then I thought once the uh, the the first the first and then the next call he gets in the end zone. I thought he had gotten in, but when they slow it down, you realize that uh, he was about a half a yard short. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it just seems like in the NFL, defense is optional. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's pass defense certainly is. Oh, let's go to the East. Uh, we yeah. have Miami at home today. They got to give three to the Jets. If you had asked me before the season back in July, would this game have any merit in meaning, I would have laughed at you. But here you go. you got two teams with the way New England is playing that probably fancy themselves as contenders. How do you see this one? Yeah, I didn't see it at all, especially at the Jets. I thought, you know, the Dolphins, okay, they're going to be 500. I mean, if you looked and you said, okay, they're 3-2, and two, you'd say, okay, that's, that's fine. But, you know, they weren't in – uh, the two losses at all. They, I mean, were non-competitive against the Jets. I think they scored one, scored one of the last plays of that game. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, uh, then just just non-competitive at, at at New Orleans, and looked like they were headed to the for their third straight loss, and then uh, uh, looks like all of a sudden Atlanta maybe started game planning at halftime for New England. So that was a crazy second half. Didn't see that coming here, but uh, this Jets team. I don't think still is very good. They're three and two. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if this team finished like three and thirteen. Um, they were very lucky to beat a winless Browns team a couple weeks ago. Yeah. They were outgained in that game, four hundred nineteen yeah. to two twelve. Yeah. Um, Jets won because the Browns committed three turnovers, missed two field goals. Horrendous play calling here. Dolphins have had just some strange travel. I had to go to the West Coast, yeah. then back to the East Coast, yeah. and London, and back. I think they're settled in now here. I think you're going to see Miami maybe we're going a nice little roll here, win a couple games in a row. Uh, I like Miami here, 24-17. Miami at home giving three. The Chargers uh, are at home against Denver. Denver's 3-2, and two, but it's only their second road game, and the Chargers are giving one. What, what's going on here? Yeah, well, one thing we know for sure is there's not going to be many Charger fans right. uh, in the stadium. It seems like most of their so-called designated home games, uh, it's like 50-50. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see Denver put their cornerbacks on the Chargers. Receivers go a lot of man-on-man uh, -on, -man on this game. This is an important game for Denver. They lose this game. They're in trouble because then they got to play Kansas City on Monday night football yeah. and then Philadelphia here. So uh, uh, this this... Charger team's going to have to run the football. Not many teams run on Denver. Denver was clearly just absolutely sleepwalking last week coming out of the bye against the Giants here. I like Denver to rebound 28-24. Uh, we got a good Sunday night matchup. We all know what uh, what it's all about. It's New England against Atlanta, and uh, New England at 4-2 and two is at home and has to give the Falcons 3. That's not all that surprising in terms of number to me, Lee. What is surprising, though, is the way Atlanta's been playing here lately, which is not good. How do, how do you see this? Played fine in the first half. I just yeah, they, that something happened. And, and, they could find those 30-minute so, games somewhere. They'd be all set, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked to so many people who literally stopped watching the game at halftime and yeah. just went out and did things. And and, and then I, I ran into a couple people. I'm like, what do you think of the Dolphin game? They're like, they're terrible. I'm like, they won. And, and they gave me a look like, you're joking, right? I said, no. <laughs> I, I, something happened, and uh, but here's the situation. I still think that Atlanta, this is their one game. They they have to win this game here. Uh, you don't get uh, any type of of you know. It, it, you can maybe get a little a little bit of satisfaction, but you can't. You don't get back a Super Bowl ring that probably should have been yours. Mm -hmm. But let's look at this New England roster outside of Tom Brady and Gronkowski when he's healthy and Edelman. It's just not much talent there. Yeah. Uh, their offensive line is, is horrendous. Their their secondary doesn't make plays on the ball. I, I don't think they can cover Devonta Freeman in, in, in space here. I like Atlanta. I think the wrong team's wow. favored. I think they win this game thirty to twenty six. Wow! Wow! Yep! Wow! Uh, what's going on this weekend at Paramount Sports? What you got going on? We can get five games today. Five games, uh, uh, just fifty five dollars. We've had a lot of success with this promotion. Only had one losing Sunday with this promotion, so we're going to keep it going. Uh, found five strong games, two of them totals. Sometimes totals are the better way to go. Uh, just I, I found two totals of these five games where I think the line's off six, seven points. So they pay the same when you win a total that, yeah. than when you win a regular game. So five games, $55. 
ParamountSports.com. Dot com, right. Uh, got two games here that I want to look at uh, before we're done here, both in the AFC North. Baltimore on the road at Minnesota today where Minnesota's giving five. Lee, I've watched Baltimore's offense. I think you and I can go find nine other people right now and be better than that Baltimore offense. It's horrible. It's horrific. And yet they got to go to Minnesota, which you wouldn't look at as, as a juggernaut in the in the uh, NFL. But, they, you know, they've had some injuries. I, I, I can't see Baltimore going to Minnesota and beating the Vikings there. Do you? Well, that's what, what that's why I do what I do, and you do what you do. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they're one of these teams, Baltimore, when it looks like they have no chance to play their best football. Yeah. And Minnesota is really banged up. I mean, Keenum just doesn't have the arm strength, and and you got to be able to push the ball down the field against Baltimore. Uh, Stephon Diggs will not play in this game. Looks like he's not going to play, as you know, already talked about cooks before he's yeah. out for the season here i don't think they have enough weapons and the 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 one dead number in the nfl is five as a favorite just don't bet it covers about 37 percent of the time the last really? 10 years i like baltimore to win outright 23 20 really i i yeah. never knew that about five five's the dead number five it's a dead number wow so it's kind of like a yeah. tease number is that is that what it i don't know what it is you yeah. figure okay they're better yeah you're, you're almost better off laying six points <laughs> makes no sense at all but it's a dead number well uh, speaking of dead numbers uh pittsburgh at home against the bengals today in a put up or shut up game yeah. for the bengals i mean you got to beat you got to beat the, the really good teams in this league if you fancy yourself as doing anything in the postseason, and uh, last I checked, it was Pittsburgh giving five to the Bengals. There's that dead number. How do you see this one? I, I think this is this is the game for Cincinnati this season. I think they have to win this game. Uh, they're coming off a bye. I think that they are going to have to put in some some different wrinkles here. Two and three, uh, you know, just to get to the playoffs, it's a must-win game. Mm-hmm. They've got to move the pocket. Dalton can't sit there in that pocket. When the co- pocket starts collapsing, that's where he has all his problems. So if I'm them, I'm, I'm hoping that they put in, uh, added a couple plays where they're, they're moving the pocket, added a few wrinkles that, that the Steelers haven't seen. So they got enough tape on the Steelers if they really have spent the, the week off where they could be able to, to have some success against the secondary. So, uh, uh, the Steelers, you knew we're going to put it together. Yeah. Uh, they did it against Kansas City, a team that they've absolutely dominated here. Uh, might come down to some some field position here, and and the Cincinnati punter Kevin Huber has had quite a season this year. I think he's tied for the uh, the le- uh, league lead in most punts landed inside the twenty yard line. So uh, I, I like Pittsburgh to win the game twenty four twenty three, but I'm going to take the five in Cincinnati. Take five, and Pittsburgh yeah. doesn't cover. Okay, all right. It wouldn't well, shock me. Wouldn't shock me if, if since he wins. Yeah, this game, yeah. So. This is one of those games where each team knows each other so well. Coaching staffs do and everything. But I'll tell you what. You uh, got to make those subtle adjustments. Yeah, that yes, could be do. the difference. Yes, you game. do. Always great talk, talking with you, Lee. We'll talk next week. Thank you so much, Lee Sterling at Paramount Sports. ParamountSports.com. Thanks, Lee. Here's the deal, and and I. You know, I, I I've gone over this, and I've gone over this, and I've gone over it ad nauseum. It's keeping your composure, and it's not taking stupid penalties. Don't be worried what's going on on the other sideline. Don't be worrying about who's saying what to who. Don't be worrying about Mike Mitchell and what he may be up to. You concentrate on the game. And I agree with uh, 100% with Sterling. This is everything. 
for Cincinnati today. And, you know, I, uh, these stats are out every week, and they're updated every week, and they're updated again for this week seven in the NFL. Teams that start the season two and four. This is since 1990. And if the Bengals lose today, they would be two and four. Teams that start the season two and four make the playoffs less than 10% of the time. In the 184 teams that have started a season two and four since 1990, 27 years ago, only 18 have actually made the playoffs. You start the season three and three, that jumps to 36%. Plus, if you can't beat the team that you're always chasing inside your own division, you don't deserve to win that division. Concentrate on the damn game. 1047 News Radio 700 WLW. 1051 News Radio 700 WLW. Coming up after the news at 10.05, Ben Kirchhoff, CBSSports.com, on where college football is after yesterday and a look ahead to that Penn State-Ohio State game. More Bengals talk follows that. Uh, A couple of things that uh, I wanted to get to in the wake of uh, Lee Sterling. He spent some time on tonight's Sunday night game, which is Falcons-Patriots, the rematch of the Super Bowl from last year. And I think it, it, it's going to be an intriguing matchup because, number one, it's in New England. And he's already said he thinks the Falcons are going to win this game. There are a lot of compelling things about this game, starting with the Falcons' offense and the uh, Patriots' defense. And I, I went back and looked this, this up a couple of nights ago. The uh, passing offense that the Falcons have is the sixth-best passing offense in the NFL. The passing defense that the Patriots have is dead last in the NFL. And the other thing that makes me hesitant just a little bit on, on Atlanta is the kind of season that Matt Ryan is having. He's, he, he, has, he just isn't the same guy he was a year ago. I mean, if you look at his numbers from last season through so far in 2017, I mean, his TD to interception ratio is 50%. It's 6-6. Six and six. And last year it was thirty-eight to seven. No, 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 don't be consumed with total numbers. We haven't played a full season. You're looking at percentage, and his passer rating is down like thirty points since last year. And then you look at what Brady's doing this year. He's first in the NFL in yards per game, yards passing per game. In passing touchdowns, his thirteen is second best in the NFL. And his passer rating is second best in the NFL. So I, just on that alone, it just makes me kind of stop and wonder about that game. I, I don't know. It's in New England, too. Patriots have looked awfully average. And I watched that Miami-Atlanta game last week, and um, uh, you know the, 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 uh, the, the Falcons, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Miami game last week, the Falcons went to sleep. In that game, in the second half, I two losses in a row. It doesn't look like they're the same team. We'll see. Back to the phones. Todd is on the west side of Cincinnati. Some would call it the best side. Todd, welcome to the show. Ken Brew must be my lucky day. How are you, buddy? Well, if it is your lucky day, let's cash in on it. 
Hey, I would just want to comment on your uh, information about the Bungles and their uh, willingness to do stupid penalties, either through actions or words. My two unfavored Bengals, Burfitt and Jones. So we know Jones is out, so now you've got a 50% chance <laughs> that the Steelers have his number. They know when the, time, the game gets tight, all they got to do is say something, do a cheap hit on him, and he's just going to go ballistic. So I'm always amazed that it's kind of like Groundhog Day. You know, it's going it's to happen over and over, and they give Burfitt that big contract. I, to me, this is my humble opinion, guy's a loser off and on the field. I know he's a great athlete. But he just doesn't have the common sense to kind of help him win. Well, so that's all, all think, I got. Maybe yeah, that's all you need. But no, that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I know. All right, I, I appreciate the call. You you just hope the light bulb goes off at some point. And I I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to walk out on the limb and say this anyway. I don't. I just don't think he would do something like he did during the playoff game here against the Steelers. I just don't think he would do it. And as quickly as you say that, you see what happened in the in the game against the Chiefs in the preseason on a play that had, you know, a hit that had absolutely no bearing on the play. The problem with Vontez Perfect is, is that he has to walk the line. They're looking for him. They're waiting for him to do something. He is a victim of his priors. And people complain around here, well, Mike Mitchell wasn't suspended last week. You know, they always like the Steelers. They never suspend Mitchell. Mitchell is still waiting for his first suspension. I don't think Roger Goodell sits in his office in New York and thinks, hmm, you know what, let's keep Mike Mitchell in the game this week because Pittsburgh really needs him. I I just don't think those things go on. I think they uh, they go on in the minds of a lot of fans. I just don't think the NFL office is just waiting for Mike Mitchell to do something or trying to keep him on the Steelers squad. I do think they're waiting for Vontez Perfect to do something. He's their example. 1055 News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday Morning Sports Talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. Come on in. I don't know if you watched the Penn State-Michigan game last night on Cincinnati's 9 on your side, but at the end of the game, the fans in Happy Valley... We're chanting, we want Bama. We want Bama. We want Bama. Well, it's a long time before they're going to get Alabama, if they get Alabama. There's a lot of ground they got to keep, they got to make up between now and when the college football championship game is played. It may not be Alabama. It may not be Penn State. But the subject of that is the subject of a column today on CBSSports.com written by our next guest. He is Ben Kerchival. He is all-seeing, all-knowing, maybe not all-powerful, but he's all-seeing and all-knowing when it comes to college football, and he joins us now here on 700 WLW. Benjamin, good morning. Good morning, Kenneth. So they're yelling and screaming for Alabama at Penn State. Perhaps they didn't check the schedule, and that says they, they got to go to Ohio State this coming Saturday. Uh, I love James Franklin. He feigned uh, ignorance as to what the schedule said next in one of the all-time classic moves. 
But the fact of the matter is, Ohio State is laying in the weeds waiting for them, and Urban Myers had a couple of weeks to get ready for this game. I would not dismiss Ohio State at this point, would you? No, I wouldn't, and I don't know what I like less. Channing, we want Bama. Because first of all, and I, I was talking about this last night with my boss, what's the historical record of people <laughs> chanting, we want Bama, yeah. and, then, and then they get Bama, yeah. and then they realize they never wanted any part of Bama to, yeah. to begin with. I, yeah. Clemson's about the only team that can, can chant that and then get the result they want. I, I don't know what I like less. The chanting of that, or as you, it, it, you know, mentioned, James Franklin, the, who are we playing next? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. You know, right. it's Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Like, but this, right. this is so. So, what it all comes back to, to for me is you're number two in the country, right? You're going to be number two again when the polls come out today. You're going to Columbus. You're going to, in all likelihood, I haven't seen the announcement yet because I've been away from my computer. In all likelihood, you're going to be at a college game day, game day site for the second week in a row. You know, you're going to be playing yeah. in the game yeah. of the, for, for the second week in a row. Enjoy the journey, man. It's, it, it has been a long road for this program. Some people don't like that it's, you know, that they've been able to bounce back like this. It, there's a whole, still a whole lot of baggage yeah. that will always surround Penn State. But for a, a week, you are number two, yeah, and you are you are in the spotlight again. Enjoy the journey because you got a tough, tough assignment for an Ohio State team that you said you said laying in the weeds. Ever since that loss to Oklahoma, they haven't played anybody, but you know what? They've gone out. They've improved the passing game. They're going to be tested on that side of the ball too because Penn State defense is very good. This is a this is a, a very, very good matchup. I am thrilled about it. Yeah, let's 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 get into the conversation and the the rankings will be out later on, maybe tonight. Yeah. Uh, but let's just let's just get it. I mean, Alabama, Penn State. I mean, they they've kind of mm-hmm. risen above everybody else. It's 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 yeah. the rest of this pack that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, TCU has uh, has uh, has so far not lost a game. Uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State, we've mentioned. Wisconsin is there. Uh, the U is there. There are a lot of teams that are bubbling below the surface of one and two, and I, I think you could make a case for probably six or seven of them that could be there in, 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 as the third and fourth teams in this college football playoff. If you had to pick two teams right now that you look at and say, you know what, they've got the best shot of getting there, along with Alabama and Penn State, whom would it be? So are you talking about the best path or like the, the two other best teams? Let's take, those are... let, let's take path first because, path. Be, yeah, okay. yeah, because, you know, obviously there, there, there are dicey situations for all of them. Wisconsin, certainly in a, in a mm-hmm. big 10 championship game, uh, regardless of what they do the rest of this season, uh, they're dancing yeah. down that street. TCU is in the same boat, really inside its mm-hmm. conference. And I think you can even look at a team like Oklahoma, despite with one loss, and say, you know, there's a team that could get in. I mean, who has the best path? The best, you know, and a team you did not mention, and they have a tough path. But I'll tell you what, if they get through that tough path, a lot of people are going to be talking about it in Notre Dame. And they dismantled USC last night. Now, USC, they, they've looked like a, a legitimate team for about one, all of one game this season. That was against <laughs> yeah. Stanford. Other yeah. than that, they have not been able to put it all together. They were banged up on defense last night. Sam Donald's been up and down. They've been turnover prone. All of that kind of came to roost last night against the Irish. So with Brandon Wimbush and Josh Adams, who people started to really get to know last night, very quietly 
they have been very good running the ball throughout the year. There's only one defense that's been able to stop them. That's Georgia, and even then, Notre Dame only lost by one point. But they get NC State next, okay? They still have to play Miami. They still have to play Stanford. Uh, I think uh, Wake Forest is still in there. They get one other team. So they, they have a very tough road. Navy. Navy would be the other one. They have a very tough road ahead of them. If they win out, and I'm not saying that they will, if they win out, I'm telling you, it is going to be a very interesting conversation, especially yeah. uh, if Georgia is still in there. So I think Notre Dame is one of those teams to keep an eye on. And then the other one is, is still Oklahoma. I have some concerns about them because they, they've been sort of living on the edge over the past few weeks, especially with that loss to Iowa State. The thing that I'm most worried about is not necessarily what's on the field. It's what's on the sideline. Lincoln Riley is still grown as a head coach. If anyone watched that Kansas State game yesterday, one thing that really stood out is I think he's still learning how to be a head coach. He's an offensive guy who wants to call everything from an offensive perspective. So what does he do? He's taking the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands on fourth down. Yeah. He's trying flea flickers late in games. And there is a transition from – I'm going to call creative offensive plays to I got to be the CEO of a team and give us the best chance to win in every phase of the yeah, game. Yeah. I think he's still learning to do that. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State is a that, that's going to be a major stumbling block out there for them and they play them I think in early November. I've covered enough they of They play those, November 4th. Yeah, at Oklahoma State. I've covered enough of those games, Oklahoma Oklahoma State to know that when Oklahoma State is good, they're good. And they're not yeah. good, good very often. But this, this, this is a top ten team that I think is going to give Oklahoma fits. I think that's their major stumbling block. They've got an end of the season game against West Virginia, but I think watch that Oklahoma State game. Uh, Penn State goes to. I want to go back to this. They go to Columbus this Saturday. If 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 Ohio State wins, obviously that's the first loss of the season for Penn State. How far do you, how far do you think Penn State stumbles? And we're talking in a vacuum because we don't know what happens around it. But is that yeah. is that a devastating loss for Penn State going forward, and does that eliminate them for the moment from college playoff talk? It, it might be a devastating loss because if Ohio State wins, then well, that's they're going to be in the driver's seat the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And when you're not in the driver's seat, so we've already seen what happens to Penn State when they are in the driver's seat, right? We saw it happen last year. They won the Big Ten and still didn't get over the get in over the Buckeyes. So. Mm-hmm. If you're no longer in that position where you control your own destiny, I, you know, you got to pray that Ohio State stumbles a couple of times. Right. And I, I don't know that, that they're going to do that. One thing that, I, I, and again, we'll, we'll find out all of this in a week from now, could be a completely different story. Mm-hmm. When, when, Ohio, when Ohio State and Urban Meyer lose very early in the season, you know, all right, we kind of write them off. Oh, they were frauds. The passing game was never, in, you know, okay. If you give them just time to just get their stuff together and develop a little bit, JT Barrett, look, the guy has limitations. He's still one of the most decorated quarterbacks in Big Ten history. Okay, they have an incredible defense. If you give them time to build up a little bit, Paris Campbell, a game breaker at that H at that H back. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, he totally flips the field. Give him some time 
the team that they are in December usually is not the team that they were in September. Meyer does a very good job of developing his team as the year goes along. So I, I, I think Ohio State, this looks like a year where they're getting stronger. Yeah, and I don't know how good on the other side of that Wisconsin is because Wisconsin, they haven't played anybody. I mean, they don't play no. a ranked team the rest of the way. They, the, Michigan is currently a top-20 team. I think Michigan's out of the top-25 after last night. So, I mean, they don't mm. play anybody. So you're going to get to a Big Ten championship game. You're either going to have Penn State or Ohio State against Wisconsin. I think either Ohio State or Penn State rolls Wisconsin, and there you go. If you if you get through the Big Ten, if you're Ohio State yeah. or, or or Ohio State or Penn State, you get through the Big Ten yeah. with one loss and you roll uh, Wisconsin yeah. in the chain. You're in. You're in at that yeah. point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And the other thing about Wisconsin is there's sort of this, and, and we wrote about this at CBSSports.com this weekend, so they're sort of the anonymous top five team, right? Like yeah. no one really knows anything about them. They haven't played anybody. If you watch them against Maryland, their defense is great. Their defense is good enough. They have a, an FBS lead of four pick sixes. Their defense is good enough to, to, to keep them and potentially win every single game. Thing is, Offense is very low key. They're a little turnover prone. They don't obviously have the passing attack. I mean, they have to. They're always relying on the run, but they don't really have that great balance to to keep defenses honest. I'm not saying they're a paper tiger or that they're a fraud. I, I just think it, they're going to roll through their schedule because a lot of good teams have rolled through their schedule. I, I, they're they're not top four for me, but they are top ten. They're good. They're just they're just not. They're not that level. Yeah. I, I, we're chatting with Ben Kirchival, CBSSports.com. He's their national college football guy. I said leading into you that you are uh, all-seeing, all-knowing, but not all-powerful. So I'm going to tap into the all-seeing for you. Okay. By 6 o'clock tonight, does one Lyle Butch Jones, former head coach at the University of Cincinnati, does he still have a job at the University of Tennessee? I'm going to say yes because if he, they should have fired him weeks ago. I don't know what about the Alabama game was going to change his his fate. Well, if they, if they won, get, if they won, it would have changed it a little well, bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. that was never ever going to happen. Right. And uh, yeah, the only thing they did was flip off Alabama fans after whip yeah. one touchdown, which was me. So. No, I, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't get fired. I don't think. I mean, he he doesn't survive the season. Make no mistake. But I think he's still the coach as of tonight because if they were going to pull the trigger, they would have pulled it week, weeks ago. The Alabama game, the result what we saw was was never going to change his yeah. fate one way or the other. Yeah. It's always great catching up with you. Check him out uh, at cbssports.com. Check him out on Twitter. It is the at sign and his name, Ben Kerchival. And Kerchival is spelled, by the way, K-E-R-C-H-E-V-A-L. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ken. Take care, man. Just wondering about things like that. Yeah, it was a mess down there in uh, volunteer land yesterday and player flipped off a fan. I mean, it was a bad day overall. Did you see, by the way, Jimbo Fisher pulled a Tommy Tuberville yesterday. And while he didn't say to the guy, go to hell, get a job, he literally challenged the guy to come down and get into a at least a verbal impossible, a fistic discussion with, uh, with him on the field. Now, what do you figure his athletic director is going to do? His, first of all, his football team's in a free fall. Second of all, I mean, that was that's... That's just bad stuff. I worked in Florida. That's bad, bad stuff.
When you got your own fans turning on you, if you're at Florida State or Florida or Miami, that's bad, bad stuff. Old Jimbo. 1119 News Radio, 700 WLW. News Radio, 700 WLW. Welcome back to Mercy Health's Injury Hotline Sunday Morning Sports Talk. What were you doing 30 years ago this week? Michael went to number one with this song back then. The album of the same name gave us five number one hits, including this one. And even though Thriller outsold this album by 10 million copies, not even Thriller had that kind of success. And that was an album that had seven top ten hits. This album, Bad, had so much promotional juice back in 1987. Back in 1987, this coming week, CBS TV did a one-half-hour special strictly on the release of this album. Sony Pictures had that kind of juice behind this album. The highlight of that special was a bad music video. No, it was a good music video about bad. 18 minutes in length, directed by Martin Scorsese. Wesley Snipes was one of the dancers in that video, by the way. Turned out he became a bodyguard for Jackson because Jackson needed him. Other than Jackson, the real star on this, 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 this song is the keyboardist who was with Jackson for like 30 years. This guy's name is uh, Greg Philigane, and he's very, very good. David Williams, another great session guitarist on rhythm guitar here. All orchestrated and produced by the great Quincy Jones. 30 years ago this coming week, Michael went to number one with this song. And Bubbles was very happy. Sunny today, high near 78. Get out and do something nice. Weather's going to turn after today. Showers tonight, low around 60. 68 for the high tomorrow and showers. And maybe a chance of rain on Tuesday, too. 65 right now at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. News Radio 700 WLW. We have not talked about the remaining game inside the AFC North today, and that would be the Tennessee Titans against the Cleveland Browns. We haven't talked about it because the Browns stink. But this is a big game for Tennessee. Tennessee at 3-3 three and three is tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans for the lead in the AFC South. And by the way, Leonard Fournette, the running back, the rookie running back that uh, powers that Jacksonville offense, is out today and will not play. So uh, good luck with Blake Bortles down there. But um, this is a big game from that standpoint. It's also a big game for Marcus Mariota, the uh, the quarterback of, of of the Tennessee Titans. He's he's off this year. I mean, he just is. He's he's kind of like he's kind of like Matt Ryan. He's off a tick this year, and I'm not sure why. I know he injured his hamstring a couple of weeks ago, but uh, even so, if you look at what he's done in the red zone compared to last year, it has not been all that good this year. I mean, his completion percentage inside the red zone, and remember. One of the best quarterbacks inside the red zone over the last several years has been Marcus Mariota. He has not thrown 
a single red zone interception in his career. 33 touchdowns, no interceptions inside the red zone. But he's off. His completion percentage is down almost, almost 50%. Passing touchdown. He doesn't have a passing touchdown inside the red zone this year. And his passer rating is is plummeted. It was like at 113 in 2016. It's down to 40 right now. So this is this is a concern, I think, for, for Tennessee. Not today so much, but just going forward. Besides, this is a team that, that's got to run the ball anyway. I mean, they have DeMarco Murray, who is uh, just terrific, and uh, it's kind of a tandem attack. They've got DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. But the Titans really are a team predicated on the run. They're 0-7 when they rush for fewer than 100 yards. That's since last season. They're 12-3 and when they rush for over 100 yards. So they got to get the running game off today against the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns' defense against the rush is, honestly, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's sixth in the NFL. That's because everybody throws on the Browns. But this is a big game. It really is. It's a big game for Hugh Jackson, too, and I'll tell you why. I think that dude is going to have a tough time holding on to his job. I don't give a rat's patootie how many years he's got in his contract. He's working for an owner. Guy that's owned the team for the last five years. He's never had a coach or a general manager go past two years. And Hugh Jackson is one in twenty-one so far up there. This is a much bigger game today for the Titans. All right, when we come back, more intel from Pittsburgh on News Radio 700 WLW. Now, the Mercy Health Injury Hotline presents Sunday morning sports talk with Ken Brew. Brought to you by Mercy Health. Call Mercy Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Sports Injury Hotline at 844-9-GO-PLAY for a same-day or next business day appointment. Now, Sunday morning sports talk on News Radio 700 WLW. 11.35 right now as we count down to noon and then Chick Ludwig and James Rapine take over with the Bengals pregame show. So stay tuned for that. Games that uh, begin at 1 o'clock now, just about an hour and a half away, a little less than that. Here's something you can win a bar bet with if you're stumbling into a bar right now and drooling for some alcohol. Or if you're inviting some buddies over for a beer and cheese doodle festiveness for these games this afternoon. There's a London game today. The Los Angeles Rams play the Arizona Cardinals in Los Angeles. It's a home game for the Rams. Name the only player in the history of the NFL that will play in two games in London in one season. Yes, fresh off a 134-yard rushing performance in his Cardinal debut, Adrian Peterson now heads across the pond today to play against the Rams. Earlier this year, he was with the Saints. When the Saints had a week four win over the Dolphins in London, he carried the ball exactly for four yards. Adrian Peterson, two trips to London in one year. I bet you he's looking forward to that. Let's go to the phones. Al is in Cheviot. Al, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. How are you? Oh, Al, now that I hear your voice, I sense a, feel, a feeling of calm and copacetic-ness coming <laughs> over. Right. Well, Ken, first of all, um, I hate to disagree with you know, uh, about Vontaze Burfitt and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but do you remember um, 
uh, beast mode, ran on the field, yeah. grabbed the official, yeah. threw him out the way, even grabbed his cousin. He get one game? Yeah. Come on, kid. And then and Vontez Berfick make a football play. Now, you might thought it was a cheap shot. I thought it was a good play. But no, you mean it, in the playoff game here? No, no. In the preseason, that's why he got suspended for it. Yeah, it's his priors. It's his priors. I mean, it, it is. I mean, look at it this way. If you got some dude that's in a court of law four or five times, it stands to reason when it comes sentencing for the fourth or fifth time, the judge is going to look at him and say, I've seen you the last four or five times. Instead of getting 90 days, you get six months. I mean, that's just the way it is. But you've got to admit, Al, that they're looking at Vontez Perfect. They are looking to make him an example. And Adam Jones, fortunately... Uh, Adam Jones is not playing today. Well, we'll see how fortunate that is after we watch what Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant do. I, I, I like the I like the kid, uh, kid. I really do. And at least he won't create uh, have defensive holding on third and long. So we'll oh, gone. you mean uh, Jackson? Yeah, yeah. I like him. I do. He's got a big, long wingspan, and they drafted him with the Lucky Land slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Al, just to cover... Antonio Bryant. That's yeah, a big yeah. reason why they So let's let him play. Yeah. Hey, kid, thank you for the music interview. One more thing. You know, today is also Shaggy's birthday. I thought I would point that out to you. Yeah, uh, Shaggy. Doesn't he have the same last name as Snoop? Real name? I think they some kid. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm up on all that. All right. Hey, hey, Al. Yes, sir. It wasn't me. Are you sure? Yeah, thank you, Al. It's Alan Chevy. And all right. Neil Kulong is a guy that I have on my show quite a bit. He he knows he knows this stuff. I only and I only have people on this show that know their stuff inside out. Uh, USA Today is a multi-platformed organization. It's not just Mick Paper. There are things that 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 group that Gannett group does that are really really good and one of the things they do on their digital platform is they employ smart people and Neil Kulong is one of the smart guys that they that they employ he is the uh, he's in charge of all NFL digital in other words if you read it online chances are it is passed through the editing hands or he might have written it for Neil Kulong and uh, I wanted to get Neil on the show because he lives in Pittsburgh so he sees what goes on what goes on with the Steelers on a daily basis and uh, offers good insight every time the Bengals play the Steelers. So let's uh, let's uh, do we have him on the line? Let's go to the celebrity hotline. Welcome in, all seeing, all knowing, all digital from uh, USA Today's digital platform. Let's welcome in Neil Kulong. Neil, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I look at this game, and I think that it's probably going to follow in the same kind of pattern that all these other Bengals-Steelers games follow in. You're going to have hard hits. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have players complaining about flags not being thrown. I I sense that probably this game is going to play out like the rest of them, close, and all the other stuff I mentioned. Would there be any reason for you to doubt that that's the way it's going to play out today? 
Uh, I don't think so, no. I mean, you, you have some turnover um, on both teams, probably more of that from the Bengals than the Steelers. But by and large, they're still the same coaching staff that, that we've seen uh, at least over the last two seasons, and the, the philosophies of both of them pretty much are the same. You know, they're, they're uh, win by attrition, mm-hmm. um, you know, physical, uh, hopefully a, a defensive dominant team um, on, on both sides of the ball here. Um, with that, I, I think you've got a lot of familiarity. Um, you know, the, the divisional games tend to be a lot closer than ones outside the division just because teams know each other so much. And Tomlin and, and Lewis have been going after each other for so many years now. I don't think they can really surprise each other with anything. It, it really purely comes down to execution in these games. They know what they're getting um, on both sides of the ball. And really, for, for me, in the last couple of Bengals-Steelers games we've seen, uh, this one's going to come down to whoever can, can uh, play within themselves more, mm-hmm. keep their emotions more in check. And that, right. that's been a, a, a factor, I think, in probably the last four or five games. Yeah, largely on the Bengals side of things, there's no question about it. But, I, you know, I, I look at what's transpired in this series over the course of time. You've got uh, Kevin Huber's jaw being broken uh, on a punt play, Keith Rivers' jaw being broken on a block from Heinz Ward, Shazier taking out Gio Bernard last year or in, in, in the playoff game, and then all of that stuff that happened at the end of the playoff game in January of 2016. I just wonder, and this is strictly a, a you know rhetorical question, but is there a feeling in that that in the Steelers camp that the Bengals are soft and that if you hit them and hit them hard they'll wither d- 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 not that it's true but does that does that thought permeate the Steelers camp in your opinion I I would say in all honesty they would think that about anybody and I think every defensive football player thinks that about every offensive player uh, the, the harder you hit a guy the more likely you are to take him out of the game um, there, there are hits on both sides that have injured people. I don't think that, that players specifically look to, uh, you know, permanently injure somebody, but they are looking to hit them as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's impossible to get around that. Um, it, it so has happened in, in the examples that you mentioned. While there are, you know, years apart in, in a few of those instances, it, it's happened that, um, you know, it, it, there, there's been a pretty vicious hit. Uh, from a Steelers player onto a Bengals player. It, it goes both ways. It's not the only hit that, that Pittsburgh delivered all year, and it's not the only time that, that Cincinnati players got hit either. I think it, it's really just they're, they're two very aggressive, very physical football teams, and they bring that out of each other. Um, I wouldn't call either side, you know, it's just aiming to be dirty or anything like that, yeah. but those hits happen sometimes in football. I mean, you know, I, I don't think a lot of them are intentional in, in the sense that they're trying to break jaws, but I, I think they are trying to hit people yeah. as hard as they can. That's what you get in a, a, a rivalry um, in a, a very physical division. There was, I, think the, I was going to say there's some surprise out this way that, uh, that Mike Mitchell was not suspended for what happened last week in Kansas City. Was there surprise in Pittsburgh that he was not suspended? For what it was, it looked to me at least, you, you can see the angle where Mitchell probably got pushed into him more. Um, it, it, does, it isn't to say that his approach was proper. Uh, for me, I think it's probably, it wouldn't surprise me if he was fine, but um, it, it doesn't seem to happen that way. Uh, it, by and large, you know, we're seeing a lot of guys that are that are hitting quarterbacks low and not really getting fined or penalized for it. I, I don't say I necessarily agree with that, but um, I, I could see that going either way. I definitely don't think it's a, a suspendable play. Um you know, if we want to get into that, we can. I don't think what uh, what Vontez Perfect did was suspendable either, but I think what it was was a great opportunity for the NFL uh, to set up basically a, a bogus appeal right before they go into court uh, fighting over the Ezekiel Elliott thing. Yeah. Um, Elliott's lawyers are probably going to contend that Roger Goodell never upholds appeals. 
you know, all the appeals go directly to him, and he's the one who issued the, the punishment. Yeah. Now he has something on the record yeah. to say, say, hey, we suspended a guy, and then upon appeal, we decided to, to reduce the suspension. Yeah. So you can't say that we don't do that. I think he was kind of targeted in that play. Um, but knowing, you know, what Burfecht has done and, and his record, I understand that Bengals fans think that he's, you know, the, the greatest guy in the world. But come on, I mean, you, you really – you can't make the argument that this is 2010 anymore. That's not the way the NFL wants the game played, period. Do, uh, whether you agree with that or not, yeah. the, the discussion is long since over, the way that it's being regulated. And in many cases, players, I mean, I'm not I'm not letting Mitchell off the hook by any stretch either. There are many players in the league that still play the game like that, and they're going to continue to get fined, and some of them that continue to do it are going to see suspension. So for me, you know, looking at, at onesie, twosie examples, targeting one player to, to try to justify the actions of your own player, I, I think it's, it's silly. Neil Kulong, USA Today, uh, all platforms, NFL. I was looking, as I'm sure you were this week, at the uh, at the stats. And although Le'Veon Bell has had some nice games against the Bengals, he's really only had one game where he's, where he's gone off. Same with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has done some damage against the Bengals with punt returns, but really only a couple of games in his in his career where he's gone off on the Bengals. In, invariably, these games are low scoring, and invariably, it seems to come down to making plays, and invariably, it's Ben Roethlisberger that makes plays, sometimes to the least likely player. What is it about Roethlisberger, where he's had success against this team, where some of the other stars on, on the Steelers really don't have those those big blowout games historically? You know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You're, you're talking about the overall production versus the play-by-play production. Uh, from the, the marquee players on the Steelers. And in games where the Steelers have, you know, probably, uh, tacked on a few points and, and beaten the Bengals by the, the ending score kind of looked a little bit more lopsided than the game probably was. The Steelers, you know, got hot in the fourth quarter and just mm-hmm. kind of ran the Bengals out. Um, otherwise, these games are always very tough. They're, they're attrition based. Um, very much a, a, a battle in the trenches on both sides, you know, for both sides. Antonio Brown kills people after the catch. That's, that's really where he's at his best when the ball is in his hand, which also speaks to his punt return ability. More than anything, though, if, if he can get something, a short cross or whatever, and make plays down the field, that's when he really racks up his, his yard. Mm-hmm. The Bengals don't let him do that no. unless he gets that one play. I, I can remember um, this, this one particular play. I forget which game it was. This absolutely ridiculous route that he ran. Had to have been something coordinated uh, between Ben and, and uh, AB before the snap. It, it basically was, uh, I think, it was like third and eight or third and nine on Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, Brown went out. He cut toward the sidelines and then like took a step back inside. It was just the oddest looking thing because Kirkpatrick was right on it. Mm-hmm. And if Kirkpatrick, it, you know, if he didn't know his position as well as he does, he probably the ball would have hit him in the head because he immediately jumps to the spot that Brown or any other receiver would be going to. He probably has an interception. Mm-hmm. They saw that coming. Instead, he, he shades back to the inside. Ben hits him right between numbers, and Kirkpatrick is on the ground, and Brown's gone. Yeah. That that type of play, is, is it, it, it's something that you can only develop between a quarterback and a receiver when they've had 700, 800 targets, or whatever those two are at now in their career. And Kirkpatrick is a very good NFL cornerback. Uh, they, they just kind of suckered him on one play. And then, you know, Brown's numbers go through the roof after that, but it wasn't, in, you know, indicative at all of the game that Kirkpatrick played on Brown. That's, yeah. that's always a great matchup between those two. Yeah, yeah. And it ought to be again today, later on this afternoon, 425 kick. You can hear the game here on 700 WLW. Hey, Neil, always great catching up with you. Neil Kulong, check him out online, in print, anywhere. Thank you, Neil. Definitely. Thanks for having me. 
So we know that uh, Tyler Boyd is out. We know that Ryan Hewitt is out. Adam Jones listed as doubtful, as I said before. There has not been a player this year on any team that has been listed as doubtful on Friday that has actually played in the game. The Steelers are going to miss their defensive lineman, Stephon Tuitt. He's a terrific player. He has not played particularly well against the Bengals. In fact, uh, in five games against the Bengals, he has no sacks and he has no forced fumbles. He only has uh, 12 tackles. Uh, he's a guy that uh, that can wreak havoc on other teams. He just hasn't done it against the Bengals. Although playing out there on the edge against that Bengals offensive line, who knows what he could have done today. By the way, again, just looking out for you if you're throwing back drinks this early and you want to bet your buddy Ralph, who's sitting next to you having a Dorito chip and dip. This is an interesting stat. Through the first six weeks of the season, the home team in NFL games have lost more than they've won. Home teams are 44 and 45 through the first six weeks of the season. And that happens to be the fifth lowest winning percentage in the history of the NFL for home teams through six weeks. If you haven't won at least a honey by now with all this stuff I'm giving you, you're not working it. 1150 News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back to the show. Standing by are James Rapine and Chick Ludwig. Take you right up to start of today's game. Look, I will end the same way that I began. Since 2011, the year Andy Dalton and A.J. Green came into the NFL, the Steelers have beaten the Bengals 10 times in 13 games. That is not a rivalry. That is dominance. If the Bengals want to be taken seriously, rather than a team with a seriously bad resume in high-profile games, they need to beat the Steelers today. And first and foremost is maintaining composure. Since 2015, this series has offered more extracurricular penalties than any other matchup in NFL. Taunting, unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer, personal fouls. Teams have been flagged 19 times. 19 times since 2015 in this Bengals-Steelers matchup. You want to win? Don't worry about all that other nonsense. Eyes on business. That's it for me. I'm headed downtown right now for the latest in sports. Tonight at 6 and 11 on Cincinnati's 9 on your side. And right back in here next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on the home of your Cincinnati Bengals. News Radio 700 WLW. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.